This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. That is not how Alina and I met. No, she so, didn't see you on a watch along. She think. didn't see me on a watch along. Decide, decide um, which is going to reach out. No. no, my friends thought when I was talking about. about oh, yeah, this story. Okay, no, I'll let you tell it because they can hear you from this microphone. Oh, because it's a terrible ahead. microphone. Yeah. So when I first started talking to you uh-huh. and I showed a couple of my friends your watch along, mm. <laughs> they, thought, they thought that I was talking to deer. And when I said, no, like, the bald old guy. The bald old guy. Yeah. So there you go. You've got that story. And that's also been recorded. So um, thank you. But so at the time, DR was what? 19 or 20? Yeah, very yeah. And he was eating eggs. Yeah. Do you remember the one, the episode where he just ate eggs for some reason? Yes. Very strange. I don't know what that, that was about. That was very odd. And that, that still is something that Alina references on a regular basis. He's an enigma, DR. He really is an enigma. Yes, he's he is. He's kid, an... But he's very much enigmatic indeed. Really yes, is. yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's, I, I almost miss him. I, I don't spend a lot of time with him these days. Cause, you know. I asked him actually yesterday. We were doing something mm. on YouTube. I said, when like he? he said, I haven't seen Handball like in about two, three years. I said, really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it has. I really have got to got to, to meet up with him and, and, you know, like maybe an away game or something like that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's been too long because he's a he's a funny guy. He is a funny guy and um, he does his, oh, yeah. he, what he does, he does very well. He gets a lot yeah. of love on the YouTube. Oh, yeah, he does, on the YouTube. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Chris Hambling and with me today are Patrick O'Connor and Nick Gillard. Hello, gentlemen. Um, obviously, we had a lovely warm-up chat, which probably will feature at the start of the show like we usually do. But um, one thing I didn't ask either of you, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Patrick, is how are things? How are you doing this week? I'm all right. Um, it's been a quiet kind of week. I mean, two Palace matches in a week was a lot. And then... Um, mm. I'm an NFL fan, and my Giants, New York Giants, lost yesterday in the playoffs. I'm kind of upset, but I'll get over it. Well, at least Palace are undefeated in that period. That is true. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Exactly right, Nick. How about yourself? So it's been hard. Palace have had two matches. Have you sat there in the bloody cold, Patrick, shivering away? No, or did no, you kind I'm of too, sit no, and watch you in see, your dressing no. gown? 
wait, wait a minute. You don't follow YouTube because every match that, that is done, I'm on with Mr. Kernaz doing post-match match ratings of players. So it's a lot of work. So that's what I'm talking about. Not about yeah. freezing at you know in the Homesdale, which I know couldn't be uncomfortable. I'm talking about work with that young man, as it were. Yeah, yeah. That well, is crying. I must say we've all had to we've all had to work with that one, haven't we? And he, yeah, he does he does put you through it. It's not really the the work as well, is it? It's the fact you have to converse with him away from it um, when he's constantly talking about James Ward Prowse. Um, yes, just exactly. just nonstop. I I mean, I don't think anyone talks about James Ward Prowse that much. Not even James Ward Prowse. Um, deeply, deeply concerning stuff, isn't it? Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. But listen, you know, when we were young, we all had crushes, didn't we? And that was it. And that's that's what happened. So. Debbie Harry for me. But anyway, yeah. you asked how I was. I'm really well. Thank you. Uh, that's good. back Raquel at work. Me. Wait, wait. Raquel Walsh for me. Just Raquel. Okay, we're dating ourselves, are we? Are we? <laughs> yeah. I don't... I, don't, <laughs> I, I try I, to. I'm, I'm midway through um, watching a, a, a film that had one of my uh, early crushes uh, in it. And that's um, Mila Jovovich, who uh, I decided was the most amazing woman in the world from The Fifth Element. Do you remember The Fifth Element? Vaguely. I thought you said Milivojevic then. No, that's, and, that's a different um, crush. It's a very different crush, that one. Um, yeah. Is that Bruce Willis or no? Yeah, The Fifth Element was Bruce Willis. Yeah, it was yeah, basically it. Die Hard in Space. That's what it was. Exactly. I was going to say exactly what it was. Was it a Christmas Maybe. film? Uh, sadly not, no. I mean, it could have been. The colours were bright. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a diehard Christmas jumper. But anyway, let's move on. Um, so Palace news this week. Um, well, Patrick, you've prepared the news for the week, so I'll mainly direct this at you. But obviously Nick can jump in with some comments there. So a poor week for the women once more. I saw the result pop up on the TV earlier on today. And see the game myself, but a three-two uh, defeat away to to Coventry United ladies. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> and um, so it's uh, Elise Hughes and uh, Annabelle Blanchard who got the goals for Palace. But that's a third straight defeat uh, and seventh place with fifteen points from eleven matches. So a bit of a bit of a struggling period for the for the, the ladies, unfortunately, for the women. I can't call them Palace ladies anymore. They changed the name. They deliberately. did them. Um... They did um, sort of change a lot of the team, though, so it's not a real yeah. surprise, is it? Yeah. I think Nick's nailed it on there. I think the, the new players they've brought in, which have been quality players, have taken a while to kind of gel as a, as a side. I think it's going to take more time for Dean yeah. to get them working together. But, yeah, I think that's more than my news right now. 
That's it. No, hopefully they're afforded that time as well. I don't think, you know, there's a tremendous yeah, amount of pressure. Yeah. And pressure and seventh, seventh isn't a terrible position. And hopefully just, right. yeah, build some momentum, get some confidence going. You can kind of see this a little bit like, you know, the, the situation we've had with the first team, isn't it? That, you know, we've, we're playing beneath us ourselves because of a lack of belief and a lack of confidence that happens when you get bad results and you have to, to kind of change things that you didn't necessarily want to change. But, um, you know, give give them a bit of time, and hopefully those results will pick up. But we did have a really positive result in the under twenty ones. It was um, uh, a one nil victory away at Liverpool. Victor Akinwale, fifth goal of the season, um, scored early on and, and managed to hold on to that one nil victory. So um, Patrick third in the league now, twenty six points. Uh, although Chelsea have a game in hand, but really strong season so far, and, and that's a very good victory. It really is, and you have to give uh, Paddy McCarthy a lot of credit because obviously we'll get onto the loans in a bit. But you know, losing people like you know Phillips and uh, Raksaki earlier on, and even Scotty Bank from last season, and then Ozo being promoted to the first team, getting that debut yesterday. You know, he's he's really had to mix and match. And Adam Odo was out and came back, but he did a great job with them. And Akamone is only 18 years old, <laughs> playing 21 year 21 under 21, so. I think the future is very bright. I think it's going to take us a couple of seasons, but I really feel that a few of those players can make it in the first team if, if given the time and opportunity. Yeah, sure. And we'll certainly obviously talk about David Ozo a little bit later on today, for sure. Um, but before we do, you've picked out um, uh, that, uh, that Killian Phillips and Rob Street obviously started in a 5-1 victory for Shrewsbury over Cambridge United. Um, and they're now eight points off the playoff spots in 11th in League One and um, really playing very well. And Phillips has had, what's that, his third game, I think. Um, it is, yeah. He's been absolutely outstanding for them. At just just incredible. I think Terence was talking about the fact that he watched him in a game the other day and was, he was just, you know, looks just such a real player. And you think about back to pre-season when he was playing in central midfield with, you know, basically our first team uh, and right. did not look out of place at all. He's, he looks a real talent. Yeah. I, I like that acquisition that we, you know, him coming from, um, from Ireland. And again, I think he needed to go out and I'm really glad that he's gone somewhere with a, you know, a former teammate in Rob Street. He knows him and it's, you know, the team has done well the last few matches and they're going to try and get promotion obviously to the uh, championship. But yeah, I think it's a good move. And again, I think this season we finally kind of nailed our, our loans. I think, in the past, we kind of just send players out and kind of fingers crossed. But, you know, looking at, you know, I mentioned before, um, Rack is at Charlton doing really well. Um, J.K. Gordon got a great start with Carlisle. Didn't play a sake of the uh, postponement. But I think right now, you send, send them out to the right place under the right managers. And I think a couple of managers are very, very good. I think we're we're getting this long thing down. So, you know, kudos to, I guess, Mark Bright. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, yeah, if you, you know, there was some decent research going on there. And, you know, I've seen it a couple of times. We sent players out to, to clubs and managers have changed quickly and things like that. And yeah. I know uh, the two Boatengs are at Queen's Park in Scotland at the moment. I think Malachi is playing a bit more than David is at the moment, but he's doing really well. Um, you've mentioned in, in the, the chat here that Dan Quick, who's a, a centre back for the academy, got his first goal for Billericay, uh, who beat Kingstonian. Yeah. Five I read that as um, damn quick, and I thought that's a great yeah. name. <laughs> damn quick, it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we'd we'd class him as that, but it's a good. It's a definitely a good. It's like a Roy the Robbers fo- football name, isn't it? Oh yes, yeah. yes. Damn quick. Um, but anyway, um, 
But yeah, you, you mentioned obviously J.K. Gordon didn't play because Carlisle's uh, game was called off with the frozen pitch. I think it was the same for Charlton, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. Yeah, and yep, fair play to the um, right. yeah, fair play to the Peterborough chairman because it was called off late. He said, "I'll pay for coaches for all the Charlton fans to come back up again, and you yeah. to be be valid." It, it, it's good to see that. You know, it's it's lovely that they're a chairman like that. But I wouldn't buy flooring off him. <laughs> No, well, that's Darren McAntony, is it? He's uh, yeah. he, he's he was like a slight to me. He he reminds me of he was around when wasn't he when we had when Jordan was still around. I can't remember. I don't know. Or we or Simon Jordan had just moved on, and we got we obviously got Steve Parrish in. It was it was around that period anyway that that McAntony was kind of making a name for himself and popping up on Sky Sports News and stuff. And he was he's always very vocal on social media and things. But I quite like him. Uh, he's talked about our club in good terms and bad terms before uh, with transfer deals and things like that. But, um, but yeah, he, you're right. He, he seems to have a bit of a bit of a, a decent character about him, but yeah, just, no fair play. Cool. Just going back to that sort of time. And I know it's a little bit off piece and it's sort of a couple of weeks old news, but you met David Gold, didn't you? I noticed yesterday they had a big uh, presentation of minutes of applause before the game. Yeah, what you, do you like? You're quite right, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, I mentioned it on a show. Do you know, it's, been a bit of a weird week since I uh, or and a bit since I last did a podcast so I can't remember what I talked about but yeah we were fortunate enough to go meet David Gold and he was just a lovely lovely fella he was um yeah one, one of those people that you're not quite sure what to expect so we all three of us turned up at his house um in Caterham uh and so we walking up well, so we sort of drove in and then we're sort of walking up this gravel driveway to this massive house and you can see this helicopter on the lawn and stuff like that. And you're like, oh my God, what have we, what have we walked into here? Um, but he was so down to earth, like his you know, housekeeper. And, you know, that's a bit like, oh my God, you know, didn't even think that, that once the door opened, it would be a housekeeper who called him Mr. David. <laughs> and yeah, just walked us through into this, this exquisite living room. And, um, you know, it was all, we all sat down, but he would put us all at ease. Could tell that um, it was early days of, of Homesdale Radio, as it was back then. And we hadn't really done anything like that before. Um, so it was quite nerve-wracking, and he, and he could tell we were a bit sort of taken aback. Uh, and he was very good at relaxing us and, and just chatting away and telling us some really nice stories. I mean, somewhere out there um, is, is about two hours' worth of video from it. Um, I don't know how much we put out in the end. Uh, I'd have to get in touch with Ramsey who filmed it, but it was so good um, just to spend that time with him. You know, what we produced in terms of content, both video and audio was, was, was decent. And a lot of it was chatting about the, um, you know, the move to the Olympic stadium and things like that was that to give it its sort of time period. But I think the thing that sticks with me and, and, you know, really just sort of just emphasizes what a fantastic character he really was was that once we stopped filming and we stopped chatting and we we're all expecting just to be sort of ushered out, he sort of just kept us there for about an hour, not against our will or anything. We're more than happy to stay, but he walked us around this is pretty much his whole house showing us all of his memorabilia, including a, a replica of one of the first FA cups and all sorts. He talked to us all sorts of stuff, celebrity stories and people he knew and all this kind of thing. And it was just, he was one of the nicest people I've honestly ever met in my life. He was such a nice guy. Um, why why did we lost. interview him? Right, that was my question. Why why David Gold? Well, it was weird. So we were, it were there was a Palace West Ham game coming up and um uh, one of one of 
our early contributors, Furhad, um, if you remember, good old Furhad, um, had a had a contact who who for somebody who represented David Gold. So Furhad just sort of said, "You know what? Is it is it worth me just chucking a message out there and seeing if he wants to chat about the upcoming game?" Um, so we chucked a message out there, and it just became this. It just kind of snowballed a little bit, which is you know, rather than having a quick chat on the phone, it was you know come to my house and have a chat about football in general and he actually really wanted to talk about palace too because he a couple of times considered coming in for palace um because he's you know obviously lived in catering near near the club um had you know friends and family associated with the club and, and just really yeah had a lot of nice things to say um so he just just yeah he the only thing he asked us to do was kind of popular popularize some of his charity work that he did so we we gave a couple of links out and, and mentioned it on i think the video a couple of times about some some of the things he was working on at the time and that's all he wanted for his time just you know so um yeah a, a really honestly man, amazingly decent person and um it was a shame never to to sort of meet have met him again because he was that sort of a person you could have just walked up and had a conversation with him at any point he would have he would have talked to you you mentioned Furhad. He saved a penalty at Sellers, if you remember, back in the day. Yes, I'll always remember, remember him for that. Um, but yeah, we are being slightly self-indulgent with this, you know. But um, I, it would be it would be wrong of me not to mention as well at the top of the show that you know what I mentioned. It's been a bit of an odd week. Uh, those who were at the game um, against Man United would have saw, seen a, a very dear friend of mine, Dina Collins, passed away. Um, so I just wanted to put on record just how sad I am about that and, um, and what a terrible, terrible thing it was. And, um, so appreciate everybody who, who, who gave that round of applause for, uh, against Man United. So thanks for that. But, uh, we'll move on from that somber tone, uh, as we have to do and, uh, talk about a marvelous nil nil draw, um, against Newcastle United. Um, so look, I, I Gents, I've got this kind of summary in my head, um, which you can tell me if I'm being fair or not. And I thought we shouldn't really let what was a relatively decent second half display cloud over the fact that I thought we were actually pretty poor in the first half and and quite fortunate to go in at nil-nil. And and I feel like we paid a bit more respect to Newcastle than I would like, but I have to perhaps except that my view of what Newcastle are and reality may be two different things and maybe it was the right thing to do. So can I get uh, both your views on that? I'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, I mean, fact is we've played them three times and all right, we haven't scored against them. They haven't scored against us and they're averaging a goal a game at least. So that that's good. Um, they, they came at us, but we managed to stop them. Throwing people on, people throwing their themselves on the line. I mean, we could talk about the lineup. We were a bit surprised not to see Will Hughes in there, mm. considering what a what a tenacious display he had. And it was halfway through the first half. I said we need a disruptor in the middle, and Hughes would have been that person. Schlupp wasn't on the game. He's, I think, he's he's better as an impact player, like he was against Man United, because he he was actually pretty good then. Um, Richards. Wasn't worried about him playing. I'll let you speak about Joel Ward in a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, Edouard up top, it's what, what we've been crying out for. Um, my one worry, having seen sort of all the game and seeing Wilf going off, is has Wilf been carrying an injury for a while? And mm-hmm. does that affect, you know, is he just a first pick? And 
also I was looking forward to the industriousness of Ayu, but mm. we we just couldn't couldn't break them down enough. We we only had one shot on Tiger game, I think, um, and I'll talk about that later. But yeah, yeah. it was. Um, we knew it was going to be a battle, and I didn't go into the game with any expectations. No, that's fair enough. I mean, thank you for obviously for for touching on about twelve different talking points during that answer. That was much appreciated. Yeah. Makes it really easy to to kind of respond. Um, uh, <laughs> so no, we've got uh, a whole show to do. That we've, we've got. Our, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, Patrick, I'll, I'll let you kind of give a your your views on the summary and try and maybe address you know fifty percent of what Nick said. Well, I, I missed. 80% what Nick said. I was trying to fuck on something else. But um, <laughs> the truth is, I thanks, mean, mate. New, but no, because I was looking at some stats as a, as you were talking. Because the fact is, I know Hambo said about being disappointed and giving them too much respect, but they have actually, Hambo, lost one match in the last 20. Mm-hmm. And that was a FA Cup game against Sheffield Wednesday. Nick Pope has 12 clean sheets. So as much as I don't want to respect Newcastle, because I'm thinking of the old Newcastle under you know, the previous ownership, they are actually a very, very, very good side who play a very difficult type of football for us, that they press you, they pick on your weaknesses, we'll get to Joe Ward later on, they, they find your weakness, they pick on it. The only thing they don't do very well, thankfully, is score. Yeah. If they were if they were more deadly in the box, we mentioned about heading, they would have definitely scored yesterday against us more than a few yeah. times. So I, I think that looking back on it now, and looking back on it in a couple of weeks from now on in the season, those two points against Newcastle, we're going to say, wow, those are really good points, and Nick just made a great point. They were both clean sheets too. So, I must say, I really wanted to win because I was one of the winners of Palace Pool. I thought yesterday it's actually a, a good display against what I think is one of the top, easily top five sides in England right now. Yeah, and I and I get that, and I that's what I was kind of hinting at in my in my opening bit, which was you know right. I'm probably not really <laughs> admitting to myself that they are they are as good as they are at the moment. I, yeah. Part of that is because they are like Super Bournemouth. Um, under yes. Eddie Howe, aren't they? They're under like, Howe, yeah. they're like, you know, Bournemouth, but on speed. On steroids. It, it's steroids, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I went, I went illegal. You went, you know, borderline. Yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean. It's they're throwing themselves to the floor, the rolling around, the play acting, the 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 niggly little fouls behind the refs' back, yeah. um, the getting away with everything for some reason type of stuff. That you just that used to frustrate the hell out of me every time we played an Eddie Howe team. Well, let's face it, a Bournemouth team, um, and you always felt like they were they were getting away with stuff when they shouldn't have been, and, and that was a bit of a theme of, of playing them yesterday for sure. Uh, yesterday at the time of recording, of course, but um, you know, I, I, I don't want to end up sort of pointing too too much at the ref and too much of that kind of thing but you know it does it, you know it does make it difficult to kind of judge the game properly and i think you know i suppose what i'm saying is you're probably both right and that's probably a better point than i feel that it was right now um but i just think that you know perhaps when we start thinking about where we are as a team and as a club uh, and what we need as in terms of signings i just don't think that you look at what Newcastle are doing, you even look at what Fulham are doing, and you just think there's no reason whatsoever that we should certainly be fearing any of these teams. Um, and if with a couple of decent signings in the right place, you know, we could easily be doing what Newcastle are doing, you know. And yes, obviously they can then go out and spend hundreds, hundreds of millions more and then, right. you know, leave us in the dust. But, but prior to that, you know, right now, that Newcastle team, if they're back line, there's nothing special apart from the keeper. 
Um, you know, and there's there's talent through the team, but there's not much of it that I would swap for the best of our talent. Sorry, Nick. I think you you mentioned the ref and they they kind of were allowed to get away with stuff. In the ground, the the hatred for the ref was palpable. Mm. Kind of well, they just seemed to get away with so much. Whether the commentators overlooked it, whether we were being overtly biased because we're Palace fans, I don't know. But but the first case in point is the gay challenge right at the beginning of the game. All yeah. that needs is a little warning. Calm it down, son. Nope. Straight yellow. Now, Gay did really well to actually play as well as he did, considering he was on a yellow and he was still putting in challenges and he, was, he wasn't worried about getting getting a second yellow. But there were two or three challenges that were very similar to Newcastle that were given as fouls but were unpunished. Yeah. And it really did feel in the ground, even after the game, walking, walking up the Olmsdale Road back to the car, people were going on about how bad the ref was and how one-sided he seemed to be. I mean, it, it didn't help that Newcastle were playing in a facsimile Saudi Arabia kit anyway. <laughs> No, you know I don't mean. It's, yeah, I, 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 obviously conspiracies, etc. But it, yeah. it, it was rubbish. No, we, we, you know, everybody heard the chance as well. The referees, um, you know, were, the usual rude word was replaced with a different allegation, and and you know, I'm, I'm not going to comment too much on that. But I would say, like, nobody could really have watched that game and felt like the referee was refereeing it in a balanced way. I think he did off. He did at a couple of on a couple of occasions get things very wrong for Newcastle. Um, but I would say, you know, and, and the only one thing I would say in his favour was that Gay made a a worse foul later on uh, and the ref didn't send him off, kind of recognising that he probably shouldn't have booked him uh, so early on. So, um, but yeah, it was completely the wrong choice. And so, yeah, if you set that tone, if you're going to book a player um, for one team, for for a foul like that you then have to do the same thing and you know Kieran Trippier one of those players who could have got four or five yellow cards in that game uh and picked up one <laughs> so um yeah it it does frustrate when that happens and, and that when you look at that you know again look at the, the Trippier situation sometimes that's where you feel like referees are refereeing on reputation of players you know he's a well-known player at England international um and he seemed to get he seems to to get away with more than other players because of that. And, it, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, Harry Kane gets away with a lot because he's England captain and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, you know, it, it feels wrong, but whether the, the corruption is there formally or it's just poor refereeing, I don't know. But anyway, look, I'd, I'd be wrong if I didn't take a short moment to reference the lineup. You mentioned it earlier, Nick. Um, and I, and I do feel like I, I've got a small piece to say on it. It's, not too much of it's new, so I won't go on about it. I'll, I'll let you guys comment if you want to comment. But, you know, I totally understand that when you've got three games in a week, we have to rest players. Uh, and some of the players that came into the side against Man United, so we're thinking, you know, Will Hughes in particular, um, they haven't played an awful lot of football. So their match fitness is probably quite low. And we have to be careful not to... not not to, for them to get injured. Um, similarly, somebody like Elise says a young player, you know, we're still, he's had some injury problems since he's joined us as well. And in terms of form and all that kind of stuff, sometimes best managed sort of in and out of a side and, and using him off the bench sometimes here and there. So again, those are the kinds of decisions that, that, um, 
that I can understand and I can be all right with. But I suppose what I'm still not quite all right with, and, and again, I don't want to be too mean about it, but, you know, three names on the team sheet at the start of the game. And I'm just, you know, Joel Ward's on, you know, in there because Klein can't really play three games in a week, I don't think, given his injury history. Um, you know, he's been really good for us uh, and definitely a lot closer to the player he was than, than when we first got him. But, you know, I think he still still has to be managed uh, a little bit. So I understand Ward playing, but we're in a position where we're picking Ward and before the ball's kicked, you know, going forward, it's just going to be, it's going to be bad, you know. There's no two way, there's no other way of describing it. You know, Joel will be a willing runner on the overlap, but if you're given the ball, he's not really going to do anything with it. Um, you know, similarly, if he's in a backup position for, you know, IU is pulled out to the right, and, you know, he's looking to see the fullback in support. You know, that ball is going back toward and, you know, it's not really going to go anywhere. It's, you know, if it goes in the box, it's going to be a kind of lofted chip to the keeper, but it's more than likely going to go backwards or sideways, you know, and played in a way that, that slows things down. So that it honestly depresses me when I see his name on the team sheet. It's a horrible thing to say. Um, and at defending, you can absolutely rely on him to do defending within the kind of confines of his, his sort of physical and, and mental capabilities, if you like. Um, but you know he's going to be susceptible to pace. You know he'll be defending narrow, so it will leave overlaps and crosses. It will mean the player playing on that wing is going to have to do a lot of defensive work because Ward will tuck in. It means the central midfield is going to have to come over there because Ward has tucked in. So it just feels like we're we're on a hide into nothing at, at right back, and then Jeffrey Schlupp's in there as well. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know he's going to close down space well, and then I struggle to say anything else that he's going to do particularly well. Going back to the Man United game, came off the bench against tired legs, ran with the ball, driving forward, fantastic stuff. Doesn't do it when you pick him from the start. Not the role that you're asking him to do. So don't like uh, and then are you know exactly what i is going to give me he's going to give you absolutely everything he's got every ounce of what he's got um but unfortunately he's going to be short on quality so my question really in all of that long rant is you know how can we still be in that position you know 10 years in the premier league and we're picking three players who you know ultimately in my view just are not good enough to start games in the premier league Oh, bomb. Listen, you nailed everything that I, I'm thinking. I'm the worst person in the world to watch a game with because I, I get really upset and I yell and scream at the television because, like you, um, I know to respect any deal three. When I see Ward now, IU and Schlupp, I just get upset because I'm looking to them to do things that they just can't do anymore. And so it's not even their fault. But yesterday, I have to admit, I knew he was going to make those changes, meaning Vieira, mm. because again, the three matches in six days, our squad is just not good enough. It's just not. Unless you're willing to take a chance on a youngster, like we did with Ozo, but it was very late in the game, we just don't have the depth to play three matches in a row and have a quality side in there. So you're going to have one or two players. Yesterday, there were three. We just don't want to see. But I would much rather see what I saw yesterday, meaning have those three start and get out of there without you know an injury, unfortunately, both to get injured, as opposed to you start Olise, you start um, Klein, and you start Hughes, one of them going to get injured, you know, over a long-term basis, and that'd be worse. So I, he has to rotate the squad. But the, the truth of the matter is, our squad just is not good enough as far as depth-wise. Mm. So you know, we're coming up now to the end of the transfer uh, window. Thank God, because I hate all these stupid rumors that we're not going to get anybody anyway. 
But we have to add a midfielder. We have to add a midfielder and a right back. We're not going to, but we have to because yeah. we're in a position right now where we're 12 and we'll get into you know, what that really means a little bit later on. But we're in 12 position. We can go here or there. And right now, work for you're going to stay where we are. So something has to change. But again, the issue is, again, I love, I we don't have a problem with those three, but when I see them on the pitch at the same time, it drives my blood pressure really, really high and it's just not good. Yeah, um, when Elise pulled up on Wednesday, I mean, he he got up and carried on again, but my exactly. immediate thought was how thin our yep. squad is. Now it's yep. good to see that we've got youngsters on the bench, not often being paid, but played, but Ozo did. And it's good to see, we were talking about earlier, the under-21s. We have got a good youth system coming through, getting the players out on loan. But yeah, we are... We are incredibly short. You mentioned right back, though. Um, Richards is a fullback, so you know potentially when Anderson's back, people have been talking. Well, how do how do we accommodate three brilliant defenders? And Chris Richards is brilliant. You know the way the way he got back on Rashford on Wednesday, the the amount of clearances and blocks and headers he got in yesterday was phenomenal. Um, it's almost a crime that we haven't seen him play, and, and well, everybody around me was saying. For goodness sake, he's come from Bayern Munich. He must be good. They wouldn't sign yeah. him if he wasn't. Well, let's let's you know let's be positive. Let's talk about that that you know that that's emerged over the last two games, and we should definitely reference the fact that it's not all just choice. You know, Richards has had a, a hard time with injuries, and you know it's it's not just it's not just being out and unavailable when you're injured. When you've just joined a new club and you're trying to kind of build up a bit of rhythm and you know, you know, working with your teammates and working your match fitness up and the pace of the Premier League. That's the only reason why he hasn't played, surely, because you know, we've we've done our homework there. This this is a very, very, very talented footballer for sure. Um and the mentality to play like he has in the last two games, you know, kind of thrown in. And we were worried, weren't we? We're thinking, why is Tompkins always getting the nod over him? That must mean we've we've didn't we've got someone, you know, worse than we thought when we bought Richards, but it's clearly not the case. It's clearly a matter of timing and, um, you know, probably a little bit of experience in some of the games. Um, but you watch him now and you just think the thing is, the thing that I like the most about him is the recovery pace. You know, he doesn't need it that much because his positioning is pretty good, but he has real pace in that back line. And it's something that we've actually missed. Um, you know, so I, th- I think that has been really good very strong great at reading the game um, and he will just get better and better so I think that is a very shrewd signing and and I'm a massive fan of his Ham I want to point out could you make a good point about Chris Richards he has a history of injury so a Bayern had an ankle injury in 1920 where he was out for 45 days he had a calf problem uh, where he was out for 20 uh, 20 20 20 20 21 for 14 days he had a hamstring injury, he was out 2021 for 73 days. He had a foot injury at Hoffenheim, 21-22, he was out for 59 days. He had a hamstring injury um, with us, well, a leg injury actually, is 57 days. So he, he has injury issues. I don't know what yeah. it is about his body. And that's the reason why he hasn't played. I mean, DNI have been going back and forth as, oh, if he's on the bench, he could play. I'm trying to explain to him, he wanted to go to the World Cup. He was actually going to be a starting centre-half for USA at the World Cup and he got injured right before he stayed he probably would have been fit for the knockout stage but didn't think it was fair to go to the World Cup you know carrying an injury so he didn't go obviously and then he came back you know after the World Cup so 
that's why yeah, that's why I didn't play over the time when uh, I get there was a gay he was suspended a game. Remember, I think, and Tompkins that was the Fulham game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, gay, he was suspended. So that's the issue with him. So and then also Nick mentioned him playing fullback. He has done that in the past for Hoffenheim, but he really doesn't prefer to play there. He really is a centre half. That's he sees himself playing in the future. Would Vieira play him there? I'm sure he would in a in a pinch based on how thin we are. But honestly, I think I think right now our right back options are going to be Klein Ward. I heard Ferguson's back this week training, and then in a pinch it'll be Chris Richards. The good thing is, is that we've got that competition for spaces at the centre back now, which is what what we were sorely missing, and it's, we just need that competition for places elsewhere on the pitch. I think. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, good news if if Ferguson is back training. Um, It feels like forever and you kind of feel like (laughs) he's never quite going to get there. But if he does, that's a a really, really huge moment for us because, again, Ferguson as a player was very highly rated when we bought him. So it would be great uh, if he becomes an option. Again, that would be pace um, and, you know, a decent modern day fullback and you know, I do want to to reinforce the the message that I'm not like you, Patrick. I'm not hating on IU Ward and Schlupp. I don't oh, hate yeah. them. Um, I wish Schlupp was used in the right position. Um, and I, I just, yeah, and and IU, I got so much respect and time for him. It just just lacks that extra bit of quality that would make him a really top player. Um, and Wardy's just given so much, but. We've we've just got to improve the squad, um, and we could be really really happy about the impact that Richards has made, uh, and that that really does give us that extra option. And he, as you say, he can cover at fullback positions, but he is a centre back. It's great to have that, um, but we have to do more. And as we keep saying, we probably won't, but um, it feels like that's going to be a big mistake because um, we're you know we're we're two injuries away from really struggling uh talking of injuries obviously wilf hobbles off with uh what was clearly a hamstring strain he did try to carry on um but was pretty clear that he couldn't do so um i don't know you never know with wilf do you you know he he's doesn't it's not one who, who tends to get this type of an injury is he it's usually an impact injury um you think he's twisted a knee or he's done something else and, and he hobbles off and then he's back the next week as if nothing had happened. But I get the feeling this one will be something that we can't really take a chance on. Um, and we're probably going to be without without him for a couple of weeks, I guess, I would say. Um, if it's any worse than that, it could be a, a lot longer, really. But he was very, very upset, wasn't he, Nick? He was indeed, but he looked upset during the whole of the game as well. I mean, it's obviously wanted to come back on and play and, and help the cause. What I didn't understand was, okay, he got injured right at the edge of the pitch. Why did he roll off? Why didn't he, why didn't he stay on the pitch and be attended to on the pitch? Then he could get up and go off. Yeah, we'd, so we'd, I... have been without, we'd have been one man down for a bit less. Yeah, I think what unfortunately happened is, is he, he was, I think when it happened, he was like, well, that's it you know, I've got to come off. I'm not going to be able to carry on. But obviously the physio came over and stretched his leg out and was like, no, you know, give it a go, see how you feel. Um, which kind of made the decision to go straight off the pitch a ridiculous one. And you've said, you know, is that a, a case of Palace not not having the correct level of shithousery? Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> so, um, but possibly, yeah, we, at times we are a little bit naive in that. And um, But, you know, look, you think back to Vieira's career, he was not uh, averse to a bit of shithousery himself. 
Um, certainly not not a pushover in any way. So I, I don't know. I don't. I think you know we try to try to focus on the football at times, and we we focus on our own performances and our own strategy in, in games. And I actually quite like that. I like the fact that we're not getting involved too much. I don't like you know that like you know the Eddie Howe method. You know that really kind of sort of underlyingly sinister, which is understandable. He is a creepy man. Um, you know that kind of just that negativity of deciding that you're going to really kind of milk everything you can and try and make the game this kind of niggly, horrible little tense there's, affair. Yeah, know? but there's the, 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 the extreme example. I mean, mm. look at Joe Linton at the end, elbows Elise and then runs as far away from the incident as possible. Only gets a yellow. I get the feeling the ref thinks he's got something wrong and blows up before the um, a lot of injury times up by about a minute, according to my watch. Anyway, so you know it's, you, you can have a little bit as long as it's not too much. Yeah, I know. There's a there's always a balance there, and um, again, when it works for you, you don't you don't have a problem with it. And I, I will admit that I'm very much uh, of that opinion too, in that sense. But um, look, uh, but but you know, I don't know what the damage is going to be really to be with without wealth. Cause again, a lot of people say a lot of things on social media um, and, you know, in and around the, the kind of club, if you like, and that kind of view that, that Wilf is not performing as he should, or isn't the player he once was and all this kind of stuff. I keep seeing stuff like that. And, you know, I think he's a, he's a fantastic, much more well-rounded player these days than he ever has been. And, um, just because he isn't a sprightly young lad running up and down the wing or game beating players four or five times over, that doesn't mean he isn't trying hard, hard as hard. He was um, and, you know. sprightly when he got back defending, wasn't he? Uh, oh, he good that, that, that tackle. Yeah, on Almiron, that was superb. And that's what you get with him now. He's just, you know, he he's he, he does everything. So we're going to massively miss him if, he, if he's out for a period of time. And let's not beat him out of the bush. You know, he's he's coming to the end of his contract and it's very likely he won't be in a palace shirt next season. So any game he misses is, is almost, we're almost us being cheated out of, out of that last little bit of Wilf that we want, you know? Um, I was going to say about Wilf, he's completely gone. One, um, I was going to ask you if, if he's peaked, I think he actually has, but I've said this over the years, every time that he's linked with somebody or there's transfer rumours about him or we're talking about other clubs coming in for him, his form seems to dip. Mm. He hasn't been the same. Now, I've put in the notes about whether he's been carrying an injury for a while anyway and his knock yesterday just exacerbated it. But do you, do you think that might have had an effect on him? I don't know. Um, and I don't know. Obviously, I'll let Patrick have a view. Fourth right. <laughs> yeah, fourth right. I see, the the thing that I think, the thing that people kind of, people have massive expectations of Wilf. And when, we, when we're struggling as a team, it's always him people look to, to kind of just, well, go on, Wilf, you know, take on, take on the, the opposition all on your own and drag us out of this. And we're not set up like that anymore. You know, if you think, if you look at the, you know the the way we attack, the way we move as a as a team now. You know, for ages, Wilf played on the left, and everything was focused down the left, and it was find Wilf as quick as you can. We don't do that anymore, and when the team struggles, he sees a lot less of the ball than he's probably ever seen at Palace. So we've just got to stop thinking about how things were in the past, and look at 
how we actually play now. And that'll give you the answer to why Wilf's been quiet for a few weeks. Because the team hasn't been playing well at all. And, and that's why. And it's not up to him to single-handedly drag us back up, uh, and especially not the way we play now. Well, you, while you're talking about not playing well, again, I, it was a fault, and a few people have said it, is how come we can kind of pick things up against Man United and or top four sides but not produce these sort of performances where we're giving all against somebody like Fulham or Aston Villa. It's just, I I just don't get it. I can understand it's, oh yeah, it's their cup final. They're going to raise their game a little bit, but there are no easy games in the Premier League anymore. But Nick, I'll pull you up on that because we beat Villa and we lost to Fulham with nine men. So I think those examples aren't the best. And I think actually looking at the, at the table, we actually play well against the teams below us. It's the top team that we're not doing well against, which is kind of anti-Palace. I mean, we've got the point against Liverpool away and obviously the points against Newcastle and United. But we've actually done much better against the teams below us. So, we, I mean, yeah, there's been that terrible loss, of course, to Forest and then the Everton one. But for the most mm-hmm. part, we've taken care of the team below us. It's been the team above us we haven't done as well against. So it's, I think that actually hasn't been the case this season much. Yeah, it's, I mean, going back to the world thing, it's, it's the game's... It's those those three really. When you think about it, it's it's the Forest, Everton, and Fulham games yep. that that have really just damaged all of our all of our confidence and all of our belief. Because I mean, Forest in in a lot of ways kind of epitomised what what can go wrong with us. Yep, um, because yep. sorry, say again. They missed penalty. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously that that made a that made a massive difference on that game. Yeah. Um, but I just think sometimes the mentality, you can sometimes question our mentality when we've had to raise our game and do really well and not always get our, our rewards against some of the bigger sides. You know, we've played really, really well. We've raised our game. We play better football and we really compete, but, you know, often, often fall a little short. Um, and then you go, and then you go and play a game against Forest and we're like, okay, we've, this is a, this is a winnable game. And sometimes you could you can see a little bit in the players where perhaps they believe that it's a winnable game, and if we just turn up and play our game, that will be it. And that's where I think the statistics that are coming out quite a lot now about the amount of running that the team does and the amount of pressing that the team does pretty low now. Like as a as a as a in the way we play, which is okay, you can play football in a number of different ways, but we're not competing at that level. With the te- with some of the teams, some of the time, you think about the teams we have beaten, Patrick, that are below and around us. They're the ones that have kind of stood off at us and kind of almost feared the way we play and worried about our attacking players. Teams like Fulham uh, and, and I will class Everton in that uh, and Forest as well. They they came at us and they gave us a really hard game and they pressed us all over the pitch. And that's I think where our mentality let us down. Newcastle were very worried about us, so yesterday you could see it. I, I asked Patrick there. You just spoke. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Yeah, fine. Oh, fine. That's all. No, I, I, I just stand by what I said. Newcastle will appear to be very worried of us and, and very worried about a break. Um, it's just a shame that a couple of times um, when we did break, um, I can't remember who played the ball through, but... Uh, it was a brilliant ball, but both our forwards ran in the same direction together. Mm. They didn't peel off with the two options. And, and it was a no-look pass. 
and any other time you'd have expected somebody to be there. Mm. Well, it's, I mean, there's a couple of things in there. I mean, like, you know, whether you, in, in a way, the way Newcastle play, it does kind of lend themselves to being very bothered about the opposition at times. It's why they're not conceding many goals because ultimately their weakest part of their game, weirdly, is their back four. Um, you know, Bartman's a good, good player, isn't he? But, um, but I think, you know, the others you could kind of take or leave them. Um, in terms of top, real top level quality, other than, as I say, the keeper. Um, so, you know, they are really focused around being a, 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 you know, a full defending team, if you like. Um, and then, and then, you know, they're very, very strong in attack, but look, you know, moving on to the, the second part of what you said there, I think when you look at, so we started the game, obviously with Mateta and, and Edward up top with Wilf, um, we just haven't done that enough. When when you're thinking about people peeling off in the right direction and making the right runs and creating space, um, I think sometimes we we are kind of caught out with that. Um, with with you know with how can I put this? We you know we, we're expecting a lot of people. Like I'll take Edward as an example of that. He's a he's had a lot of football, but he's not had consistent games in the same position. And we're expecting quite a lot of a player. To, to just you know put in strong forward performances same with Mateta you picked him out in the in the chat Nick uh, for having one great you know an absolutely great shot you know great defensive headers but at times I mean I won't use the word you use but at times very poor up front not holding the ball up well built ball bouncing off of him quite a lot that's just again it's, it's lack of football really he's not had a chance to build up a rhythm and that's where perhaps we can use the squad a little bit better than we do but um, sorry, Patrick, you came off mute quite a lot there, and I, I don't know what point you wanted to would jump in and talk. No, no, I mean, I mean, the point about Mateta is a good one. The, the, the Edward thing is the enigma part for me, not Mateta, because I think I know what Mateta is. I mean, he had that he had that great streak last year around this time where he scored a bunch of goals, you know, in the cup and a couple in the league, and we signed him to that, you know, from loan, etc. But it's the Edward thing. I think Edward, you make a great point. When we do play him, it's not consistently as the number nine. Even if he, I don't even know if he really is one. Because a lot of things he seems to seem to like playing more behind the striker. But then again, then we shift him out to the left sometimes. And if if Olise's injured, we shift him out to the right. And he has had a run of games. But what I feel we're missing with him is someone to get him the ball in the right spots. Because clearly he can score goals when given the opportunity. He's only got three this season. He's got one and five actually. Cause he's got one in the League Cup, one in the FA Cup. Um, yeah. But I just feel like that's what's missing in our midfield. I like I love how Decore plays. I kind of like how Hughes plays. But it seems like, you know, does he want the ball to his feet? Does he want it in the space? Does he want to run in behind? Like, we haven't figured that out. And and again, your point being is, is, is a great one, but we just don't play him enough, you know, eight, nine, ten games in a, in a row in, a, in the same position to know where he could play best. And now I feel with the Wolves injury now, if he is injured, if we shift him out to the left now, there's another four or five games we don't see him in the right spot again and we're back to the same Positions. So it would be interesting to see mm. when he does get a, a, a run where he's actually best at. That's exactly it. He's, you know, he's not going to be the answer to our goal scoring problems if we don't play him in a position where he can be. You know, that's <laughs> that's where it comes down to. But um, you know, and it's the same for Mateta. Mateta can can play really well. We've seen him have some great games for Palace. He is a goal threat. You know, he really is. He, he can finish. Um, you know, both in the air and on the ground. He's he's a good player, but. He really, I, I've noticed with him, he really struggles. You take him out of the side 
leave him out for a little bit. When he comes back in, you know, he traps the ball further than I kick it. He, he really does. And he, you know, for, for that reason, you have to give him like five games and just, just let him play, lead the line for five games. And I'd rather see him up there leading the line than, you know, us sort of battling away with, with IU in the middle or, or, you know, trying some false nine experiment or something like that. I'd rather see that for the next few games if, if Wilf really is out. Uh, look, I'm conscious that mainly because uh, we like to ramble a lot, uh, specifically me. We haven't co- covered some key points. We also have some really good comments and questions from listeners today. So I'm going to push us on a little bit if I can. So Patrick, just just you really mentioned in the chat as to whether Hughes is the, the really the answer to play with Dekure. Not whether he's the best option in the squad, but is he the answer? So what was your view on that? It really depends. I thought against uh, Man United, I liked him, that he got the start. It was his first start of the, of the season. I like what he brings. He brings something that no one else brings. He's a little niggly. He always looks to play the ball forward, which I really like. But his passing accuracy isn't the best. And I think that's because he just hasn't played enough. So, But I also think he's more of a, a Decore player. He's like Decore. He's more of a defensive midfielder. I think next to him, we need someone who's a more of an, uh, I won't say a number 10, but, you know, I'm not going to mm. say Conor Gallagher. I promise I wouldn't say that word today, but I just said it, those words. But more <laughs> of a passing, creative, get forward, get in the box and once while score a goal type player. So I think we don't have that player. Now, right now in our squad, just play Hughes and Decore for eight. Just We just said about Edward. Play him for eight, nine games in a row. If it doesn't work, you know, we try something else or bring someone in. But playing Schlupp there, who, again, I don't dislike. I really don't because I dislike a, lot, a couple of players in Palace's history. He's not one of them. But seeing him next to Decore just doesn't give me, you know, enough enthusiasm to want to watch watch it. But Hughes and Decore, I want to see more. So I'm just not sure he's actually the answer. But you know what? Let me see if eight nine games and I can give you a better answer on that. Hmm. Well, look, and we're look, we're two two injuries away probably from having to maybe throw somebody in there who, who does come under that category of being that kind of passing midfielder, whether that's a Riedeveld or it's a, an Ozo or a Wells Morrison, exactly. you know, yeah, we're in that exactly. position where you know, a couple of kicks here and there. And look, Luke is not getting a look in either. And actually, I think when he has featured this season, he's actually looked all right. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's obviously must be coming to the end of his time at Palace if he's not going to get game time. So, you know, we have to. We also have to have that one eye on the future. But I, I, you know, I agree with you. I think some games, some moments, I look at Hughes and I think, you know, we've already got the player we need uh, alongside the Curry. And and I've seen some weird comments about the Curry. People saying he's not all that, and he is. <laughs> he really is. He really, really is. He is. You know, he is. <laughs> you don't realize how much he's doing. Yes, he he. Sometimes gets caught in possession. Yes, he he has to chase back a lot, but you know sometimes he's covering three positions. It's um you know he's he is a phenomenal midfielder, and and that will be undeniable soon. Um, but but we really do need someone proper alongside him. And yeah, I I can't help but hark back to to last season as well, Patrick. But unlike you, I'm not going to say the two uh, names in question. I'm just going to move on. Um, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, nothing you you picked out, Patrick. Maybe one for Nick is that um, we're as close as um, to to Brighton in sixth place uh, as we are to Bournemouth in eighteenth, basically. Um, so, you know, I suppose do we feel like this window, this ever increasingly short window, is uh, 
going to be the difference between whether we're going to be fighting for a spot with Bournemouth or fighting for a spot with Brighton. How do you feel, Nick? I think there's at least four or five teams worse than us um, in this mm-hmm. league. Um, you talk about the transfer window. Um, I mean, we are Palace. We we finished 12th or thereabouts, don't we? And I know there's been some, I've mentioned it on here before, about the whole Charlton thing and how they weren't happy with Kirbishly and they need to push on. But with the amount of money in the game now, we haven't got that money. So mid-table possibly is going to be as good as it gets for us unless we, we do have one of those seasons like Burnley had that time and actually get into Europe. But that could be a poison chalice as it was mm. for Burnley. Look where they are now. Okay, they're points clear in the championship. Um, but the whole transfer window thing has been muddied again when we're hearing about Harris and Blitzer wanting to invest into Manchester United now. So I know there's there's the whole text yeah. parish owners issue which might affect our transfer window. Um, this Vieira's making noises that he wants players. Yeah. Um, Parish is being really cautious because administration and he, he still feels what that must have been like, although he was our saviour. So it's, it's a very, very tricky one for us, especially when you're seeing other clubs around us spending money like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, look, I'm going to put it blunt. I mean, look, we, it's been pretty clear for a while that, that some of our ownership have been looking for... Um, you know, investment in, in the Premier League in a different area for quite some time. And the latest links, obviously, are Man United. Prior to that, it was a bid for Chelsea. Prior to that, it was a bid for, I think, Villa. And there's all sorts of stuff going on there, which, again, but, I mean, everything else, you know, there's a lot of noise. But, you know, ultimately, with anybody in, in charge of a, the football club, it's in their interest for us to, to remain where we are, you know. So... It, what will be will be and we'll just kind of have to let things play out to some degree but you know i'm just going to say this it, it's, it's I, i'm you know going back to the the point you know we we talk about being a mid-table club and not having the money and all this kind of stuff but i hate to say it but look at the money brighton have spent on transfers you know count it up what they've spent and think about where they where they are currently sitting and it proves you don't have to spend huge sums of money if you get your scouting right, if you build into, you know, what what the team should look like, how they should play and, you know, get the right manager to work with that, you can achieve a decent amount of success. Now, look, it, you know, with them, how sustainable it is, I'm not going give, to give them too much praise for sure. Uh, but right now they look a really good team and they've dealt with the loss of their manager really well uh, and they're losing they keep losing players and and not suffering because of it. And, you know, they've bought what Cassiedo for what, four or 5 million quid last year. And he's now being talked of as a 55 million quid player. That's how you do it. If you're, if you're worried about your money, you know, you, you buy them when they're, when they're a small, when they're a slight risk, but, but they've got potential. Um, So I don't really believe the idea that, that we're skint or whatever is, is an acceptable position to be in. I think, We've bought well at some at some occasions. You know, our our biggest thing recently was buying Mark Gay for the money that we did, because uh, he's you know he's going to be worth a damn sight more than that. Um, but we you know we've got to do we've got to do more of that. There's so many players coming out of contract. We've really got to get out there and start making this team stronger and giving giving more options in the squad. 
there were um, plenty of other things that I wanted to talk about as well, but we'll, we'll probably have to skip through those. And we have touched on, on most of the performances I wanted to talk about. Obviously, great to, to see Guaita signing another contract. Been occasionally foot patchy in form, but I think he looks solid in this particular game. Um, you know, Newcastle did miss plenty of chances, but also Guaita was was there to pick the pick the saves up at times as well. Um, I also wanted to mention that I thought that Tyreek Mitchell. Had a had a solid game, probably his most solid game for a while, and it's good to see him back at left back. But he still does need some competition in that place. Um, in terms of listener comments, we asked you for some comments on the game over on Instagram. We got some uh, message from Kazbax, who said that we're improving. Although Patrick Vieira should have kept the team from the Man United game, and obviously we've talked about why uh, that might have been already. Uh, ben Braganza uh, said that he's worried about Zaha. I think we all are. Uh, and he also said that we need to score more goals. Well, you know, a very clear statement. Absolutely right. Uh, Emmett Minton said, uh, uh, great game by Richards. Mateta looked great in defence and had a screamer of a shot. You're right. But obviously, yeah, it's just that all-round game that he, where he struggled perhaps a little bit there. But certainly had our best chance of the game. Uh, the name of this person is cut off, so apologies, but you should recognise your words. It's a decent point against the top team, but we ha- we should have that winning mentality. There's that word again, mentality. Uh, to be honest, we didn't create many chances. The only one we did was a good strike by Mateta and a top-class save by Pope. If we had had many chances, the story would have been different. We need to open, so we need to score more goals from open play up the Palace. And I suppose... Now, picking that comment was something we haven't talked about a lot, and I'll, I'll ask you it, Patrick, is we're actually scoring a lot of our goals from set pieces at the moment. What do you think is behind our struggles from open play? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I find that as a Olise, Zaha, Edward are very technically gifted, but they don't seem to work well together, which seems a bit of a strange statement, but I just haven't seen them ever click together really. You know, the, the one time they did was the Bournemouth game when, you know, they were on the same page for those, you know, for that free kick and Olise and Eze kind of did something in eye, whatever, eye contact. But it's weird. I just don't think they, they clicked together. Now, mm. it might be your point earlier, uh, Hambo, you just said just play them for eight, nine games in a row. You know, play Edward at the nine, play Eze at the ten, and outside you have Olise and, and, and Will for seven, eight games, which you've never done, and maybe they'll click. But it just seems to me that they seem that they should work together, but they don't. And it's scary because they, they're talented. They're very, very talented. All, you get the numbers right, four of them. Um, but they just don't seem to click well together. Again, mm. maybe it's a run of games, I'm not sure. That's a good answer, Patrick. You know, again, the only thought I had on it, and just every now and then it strikes me, when I watch us attack, we just seem to struggle to get numbers up there sometimes as well. We get, We can create an opportunity there's just not quite enough uh, movement. There's not quite enough sort of pacing and around the box at times. And there's not quite enough, you know, taking a chance here and there. You know, you think about back to last season when the player that you've mentioned twice, and I'm not going to mention, but used to pop up, you know, with a late run towards the box or something like that. And you're just thinking that's probably what we're missing. And when Eze has done it, you know, he's, he's got a couple of goals this year from doing it. Um, you know, but, you know, Elise doesn't, quite do as much of that um you know when playing centrally and when playing wide you know prefer sort of cut in and have a, have a shot from range so we really you know i just think every now and then it's a case of somebody getting forward And if you look about who we play in central midfield the most you know it would honestly be schlup that i'd be expecting to do that 
I'll be expecting to see him popping up in central areas because he's a good finisher um, and trying to get his foot around the ball and, and you know, get, get a couple of goals from that position. But he doesn't do it. He, you know, he'll prefer to sit. And, that, and I understand that that's what the ask is for him and Decore to sit when they play together. But I don't think Vieira is one just to say, don't take any risks and stay there forever. Um, I think there's another thing going on there. I think Schlupp should be getting forward, should be running with the ball and getting in the box. Uh, and if it's not him playing, if it's Will Hughes or whoever, that's that's yeah. their job as well because Decore is going to sit. And it's not, let's face it, he gets forward and has a shot every now and then as well, Decore. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and I think sometimes he feels like he has to because around him, no one's really moving. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, pushing on as we uh, kind of bring this to a close uh, over on Facebook, Sean Blesson says, what does Hughes have to do to get two consecutive starts? Does Schlipp have pictures of Vieira? I, I cannot confirm those allegations, no but um, but I think, you know, we've just got to play Hughes more. And it might be that he's not capable of two two starts in the same sort of three-day period. But, you know, a week apart, if there's a week between games, I really want to see him start two in a row myself too. There, Sean. Mark Vincent has said, where are the goals going to come from and why can't we go with a stronger midfield, as in Hughes or even Riedervald? You know, Riedervald doesn't seem to be anywhere near the central midfield as a, as a concept. Um, but yeah, I know the, where are the goals going to come from is a good question. Wilf scoring the most for us this year. But we've talked about the struggles as to, to why that is. Uh, one for you, Nick, I'm going to, uh, from, from Jerry. We can come strengthen one position before the January window closes. What area, either loan or permanent, would that area be if you could pick, Nick? Well, we need some more co-hosts on back of the nest. I'd strengthen that. <laughs> yeah, good show. Sunday yeah, yeah. mornings, Great every show. air the WhatsApp on a Sunday. Who's available? Who's available? But no, um, so true. It's, it, it's got to be um, either midfield to kind of take the the Jimmy Mack role that that we we so badly miss. Um, I won't mention the uh, surname of the people in Oasis. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, midfield, really, because we've, we've got goal scorers. Mm. It's just they haven't been doing it because they haven't been getting the ball from the midfield. Well, there you go. I'll, uh, I'll leave that as your answer. No need for, for, for further comment on that. We've got a question in from Nav on Twitter. It says that, uh, why is Hambling so anti-Doza club now? Um, just to reference that. It's a good question. Um, I, I, I am not and never will be anti-Doza club. Uh, it is one of the finest establishments that Crawley ever has to offer. I just don't live very near it anymore, Nav. You know that. And um I could I could hear you very quietly, Patrick. I don't know if you were I talking to you me. Moved. Yeah, sorry, I forgot you moved. Yeah, I forgot you moved. Yeah, yeah, I moved. Yeah, but I go back occasionally. He's just angry because last time I went back, I didn't go there, and it's because you know, I've I've put some of the weight I lost back on, and I'm very depressed about that. So oh, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to not do that again. It's those boxes of wine. It is the box. Well, one of the impacts of the boxes of wine is that my partner is actually asleep on me now. Um, well, as I as I record. She, that's the problem with boxed wine. It's just it's just a little tap, isn't it? So you know you, you just, lie underneath. You, you lie underneath exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy Hode, Andy the Twat, nineteen ninety two, one of our favourite ever contributors for that wonderful name. So it's a situation between Parish and Texter. If rumours are, uh, are to be true, um, which if true will affect activity off the field, i.e. future signings and stadium redevelopments, along with the possibility of Harris and Blitzer selling their shares to Man United. We were just sort of touching on that, but look, ultimately there's nothing you can really do. 
in these circumstances. Yes, it would be damaging if investors pulled out because somebody has to take their investment, you know, uh, and who who's around to do that. And the, the fallout between Texter and Parish, again, if you believe it, uh, there's always a, you know, certainly the big personalities of um, that you get with people of wealth um, and people at the the head of football clubs. There's going to be clashes and differences of opinion. Um, it's just how damaging it is 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 the question, really. And um, you know, I, I, look, time will tell. It's um, it's not ideal if people aren't on the same page, but that's why you have you know a structure and contracts and, and agreements in place. Uh, hopefully it just doesn't paralyze things but clearly something something's not great right now uh, and hopefully it will get sorted in in due time uh, very quickly i know nick had his hand up um regarding our ownership uh, apparently um blitzer has not blitzer um texas has 40 percent Blitzer harris have 18 percent. so that would leave parish with 42 percent. correct good maths I yeah, don't exactly. think it. I don't think it does because I think there's lots of small Somebody investors. It's smaller, yeah. Because my point being is that clearly Harrison Bits are going to be gone soon. So my point is, if let's say Texter bought that eighteen percent, that will leave us in quite the um, position. I'll leave it at that. I want to go too deep into that. Well, given so, given that he wants mm-hmm. to float what he owns on the American stock market, yeah, you know that's right. a different avenue to go down. I forgot what my point was when I had my hand up. Well, that's all right. Um, it just happens, doesn't it? When you when you get to a certain age, if someone doesn't yeah. immediately address it, um, it's like walking into a room and then just thinking, "I don't know. I don't know what I was doing here." Yeah. Um, oh, you're you're at that age now. That's good to know. Yeah, I've come to that age. Yeah, yeah. I think what I, I what my what happens is like what I usually do is I go into the kitchen to make a cup of tea and then I feed the dog. So she gets an awful lot of food. Um, yeah, don't know what happened when that started happening. Anyway, moving on, uh, Pethos said uh, two very good gritty performances, but where will the goals come from? We've had that theme throughout the course. Obviously, if Wilf is injured and ebbs out of form, Edward and Mateta are too inconsistent. Well, hopefully, as we talked about being consistently played because there is no choice, will have uh, an impact. Um, And I say as a is a vibe. I got there in the end. Said uh, Chris Richards, discuss. Oh, we absolutely did. Uh, and hope we discussed that well enough for you. There are some forward reviews, but I don't think we're going to get to those um, because I would like to end the show just with a really quick mention of uh, of, of David Ozo. Oh, go on, Nick. You got your hand up. You that was from earlier, but um, from earlier. it was a very, very weird time to bring on somebody who hasn't played before at nil-nil with a few minutes to go in a game. Three-nil down, you could kind of appreciate it. Three-nil up, you could kind of appreciate it. That said, he's been phenomenal uh, at reserve level, under 23, under 21 level, and, and we've kind of watched his meteoric rise and and been genuine, genuinely excited about what we've seen. And he he did really well. Uh, lots of nice little touches, good positioning. So, um, as far as he's concerned, the future's bright. I love that he was brought on so late in the match. I think it uh, showed confidence in the young man. I think he's 17 and like 200 and something days old. Um, I've been calling for this all year. You know, if we're not going to uh, sign anybody, you know, use Ozo. Could have used JK before he went out on loan. For me, they were the two, maybe Phillips also, the three most likely to get any time of time this season. So the fact you brought him on so late, Nick, I love that. And again, if that 
is an indication of what the future holds. I am all for it. I've watched him play tons of times. He played again today. I didn't get to see today's game. Uh, but I've seen him play tons of times for 21. Saw him a lot of times last year for the 18th. The kid, the kid has talent. He was on the uh, preseason tour. I'm so happy. You guys know how much of a academy person I am. And I think if even if it gives him and Wells Morrison that thought that he might be able to play more and gets the other kids thinking, oh, my goodness, can I get a, um, you know, a, a debut this season? I think it's brilliant. So, not, listen, man, shout out to David Olds. Great job yesterday. It was only a couple of minutes, but I love seeing him on the pitch. I hope it happens again very soon. Yeah, like you, Patrick, this is something I've been asking the question about. When you have, you can use as many subs as you can now. And you have these kids on the bench. It's really great to give them the experience of being in and around the first team and doing the travel and, and all that kind of stuff. But at a point, just throw them in. If you've got a spare place available, just just take a risk, chuck them in. And we've been sort of mystified by it. Um, we were mystified under the previous manager, but this manager, it, you know, didn't feel like it was really in Vieira's nature just to, to be scared to use young players. So I don't know what's changed, but whatever it is, I'm really happy to see it. Um, and yeah, a, a few minutes here and there, I don't, I don't mind that one bit, and be, that will benefit Ozo massively. And yeah, he's a player with huge talent, and you know the fact that he's he's played further forward for some of his career, then dropped back, um, always interests me because that that gives you a bit of a rounded skill set to start with. Um, you know, physically quite imposing, good with both feet. You know, there's there's not much to to, to be concerned with there, and and you know everything. It's, everything will come with that experience and that confidence. And he's got a really good manager to kind of bring him through because, you know, they're, they're basically playing in the same position um, from a similar kind of set of physical attributes. So that's a really good place to start for sure. He couldn't really hope for a better manager, I don't think. Yeah. And he's been with the club since he was eight. And I know we had the brilliant documentary, you know, so many players fall by the wayside. So to come that far and have your name chanted, how must, must that have felt for him? So mm. it's a fair play yeah. to him. Yeah, for sure. So we'll end on that positive note uh, for, for sure there. So thank you very much for, for listening to the show. Obviously, thank you to Patrick and Nick as well. Um, bit of an old school look at for, for the show today. Dream team. Um, absolutely right. Yeah, the dream team. Uh, but if it is reflecting um, that we have got fewer people available these days um, when I'm doing this, when I'm ill, um, and Patrick's been drafted in off of, of, of YouTube and, and, you know, then it's just you, Nick. You're the only one who was up for it. You don't want to listen um, to me and uh, uh, my monotone uh, monologue. <laughs> Actually, it's got that's got to be something we do before before the season's out. A Nick monologue podcast. Let uh, write in. Let us know if you want that, um, or, or if you don't want that. And um, whichever we get the most of, um, we'll we'll go with that decision. Uh, and then but we'll anyway, have an eighteen word review on Twitter. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> um, thanks um, again to obviously everybody who got in touch. Um, we read everything that we got. Didn't use it all, but it did all help. As always, preview team will be back with you uh, in a week and a bit to look ahead to the away trip to Man United on the February the 4th. Uh, and make sure you check out our YouTube channel where D and the crew, I'm not sure I like that. Do you, you, you feel good being part of the crew, Patrick? Yeah, that's fine. I wrote yeah, that's fine, is it? You don't want, you want to be Patrick and the crew? <laughs> no. I don't no want all right. But I, I, enough. Patrick's of the age and lives in New York to be D and the posse. That's a good point. We'll have to discuss this, won't we? 
All right, well, think about that. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so check out the YouTube channel where Dee and the posse will be discussing any Palace news that come up uh, and any potential transfers as deadline day. I'm sorry, I laughed at the potential transfers, but uh, as deadline day arrives on January the 31st. Until then, thanks again. Come on, you Palace. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.